Touchdown, Tampa Bay. It's knocked away, and on the deflection, it's intercepted. That is Winfield with the pick. Trying to find the end zone, and no. How about that? One last indignity. Intercepted by White. And when the Super Bowl ended, the ball would be in the hands of Tom Brady. Wow. Jim Nance, man. <laughs> Jim Nance, man. Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you come a little closer, Jim? Why don't you come a little closer, Jim? Oh, oh Tom Brady has won another Super Bowl. And I just can't. Tony? <laughs> uh, so many things to get to. A lot of them Vikings-related, I have a feeling, too. Uh, the Vikings also have a new offensive coordinator. It's a Monday Statements edition of Mackie and Judd, powered in part by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. If you're a business owner out there, how helpful would it be for you to have employee training at your fingertips, industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success? Well, that's why Federated Mutual Insurance Company recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. They help your company create resources that shield your company against unnecessary risks or things that might leave you open to risk. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. Click on the MyShield link or download the app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And by the way, happy seventh year anniversary, show anniversary to us. Seven years ago, the day after, I think the Seattle Seahawks smoked the Broncos uh, in the Super Bowl. Was it that one or was it the day after the the uh, Seahawks Patriots with the um, unfortunate pass by Russell Wilson called uh, by our old one. friend Daryl Bevel? I thought yeah. we I thought we started off with that one, but I don't recall. Now. But yes, it's, it's very long time. It's a very yeah. emotional day. We've Seven been, years. Uh, we've we we it was 1500 ESPN score north. <laughs> and now we're uh, now we're making this push on podcast and YouTube and also still on Score North Radio, but uh, yeah, you can send all of all of your you know in depth birthday or show anniversary greetings to us on on Twitter at Jay Zolget at Phil Mackey at Dex's tweets. Um, do we have that Kevin Harling clip by the way? We do. Oh yeah, yeah. Can that. we just start with that? Like nice. the the highlight of last night's Super Bowl has to be Kevin Harlan. Five oh three to go. Someone <laughs> has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20 (laughs) down the middle. The 10. The 5. He slides at the 1. And they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants. Take off the bra and be a man. Unreal. Very, very savvy move so by that guy that, sliding before the goal line, too, just making sure he keeps that clock running. That is on a Super Bowl <laughs> radio broadcast nationally. It's one of the greatest pieces. Of th- it's one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Like, think about that. CBS won't even show you that. Like, they won't even show you. Oh, somebody's on the field. And then, of course, the cameras all cut to uh, players and coaches. Oh, look at But Kevin Harlan, for the second time at least in his career, did play-by-play of a, basically a streaker or a fan on the field. How does – you brought this up before we turn the mics on. How does Kevin Harlan not have, like, a Monday Night Football TV job? I does he just know. love working for Turner and I don't doing, know. doing NBA games and stuff? How he is not the number one TV NFL guy for somebody is absolutely beyond me. Yeah, because, like, if ESPN had him, he could do Monday Night Football. He could be – now, 
he would be their second NBA guy because Mike Mike Breen is their top NBA guy. So he'd yep. probably have to push like Ryan Rucco down a notch. But he'd still be great. Yeah. Great. But I mean, he should be. I, I don't know. Big time college football games. Yeah. I mean, he's absolutely. I love the fact that he is not afraid on a Super Bowl broadcast to do play by play of a, a guy. And here's my question, though. If you're go- going to go all out like this guy did, okay? Like you're going to jump on the field, you're going to be arrested for sure. Why are you wearing. So it, it was not a bra, it was a one piece. Yeah, it was always a onesie, right? Yeah. Like a little, little why hammock are you, in the front. Why, why when you jump on the field, are you wearing the shorts? Yeah, I feel like he wasn't fully committed to the onesie. Yeah, right. but I, so the, is it a onesie or is it more of a... I think it was a bikini. Like a, that, it's like yeah. a, it was like a singlet. Like a, like a bikini yeah, yeah. singlet or something. Like a singlet. Right, yeah. but I mean, it, why do you need to get on the field to take off your shorts? Like, if Maybe you're he was insecure it, about his thighs. Hey, man. If you're going to do it. it, do it. I get it. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, you've already committed 80%. Yeah. You're already on the field. And like, you're doing well. Take your pants off. And you're doing really well. Yeah. Like, like you've got a lot of room to run. Of course, he does it. He's celebrated. When I do it, it's frowned upon. Just a Thursday night. It's a, in the northern night in the well, north loop for me. Depends on where you do it. <laughs> right. Like, if you if you go to a Twins game or something, I'd probably applaud you. I mean, you'd be arrested. I wouldn't bail you out, but I'd probably applaud you. Hmm. Anyways, Anyways, you guys want to... Uh, you guys want to dive into some statements here? I have a feeling this is going to be a lengthy edition of statements on this Monday after the Super Bowl. I, w- I will streak at next year's Super Bowl. <laughs> Let's I, don't start- know, I don't know where it is, but I'll do it. Let's start with Judd Zolgan. By the way, uh, Score North, you can find our two YouTube channels, Score North MN and Purple Daily Podcast, where we are now over 15,000 subscribers. Thank you, everybody, who has clicked the subscribe button on our YouTube channels. Uh, it helps helps spread the love of the show. Judd, let's let's start this thing. Okay, statement number one off uh, last night's Super Bowl. Disappointing, but by the way, I was very uh, disappointed. I thought it would be a much closer game. The Buc- blame Mike Remmers for that. Oh my God! Well, you know what? We found we found out what you can't do, and you can't start those two tackles. Um, statement one though: the Buccaneers used the Vikings Brett Favre plan, but the difference was they won a Super Bowl with it with Tom Brady. This was pretty much the same plan. Like, team about to pop, um, and then you go get the one piece, right? Like, the one winning piece, the most important position in all of sports, as we talk about, the quarterback, and you put him in and you plug him him in. And in, in uh, TV's case, he brings some buddies with him, like Gronk. But that was, to me, there's very little difference in thought process behind what the 2009 Vikings with Brad Childress Attempted to do, and what the 2020 into 21 Buccaneers did. They used the same plan, only they got the Lombardi Trophy and didn't get short-circuited in the NFC Championship game. Uh, that's I like I like that angle. The two biggest differences between this year's Buccaneers and that Vikings team are, this Buccaneers team had even more offensive weapons. Yeah, Adrian Peters, if you, if you went like tail of the tape, Vikings had the better running back, but I think... The Bucks had the better wide receivers. Gronk still obviously has gas left. I think you'd take this version of Gronk over that version of Shanko. You would take Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown over, I guess it would have been Percy Harvin, Bernard Berrien, and Sidney Rice. Mm-hmm. So the weapons were better and, and more dynamic. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady, in moments of crisis and clutch, gets better 
and Brett Favre oftentimes gets worse. And that's the most important part off my statement that's absolutely correct. I mean, Brett doesn't have much nuance in those situations. I don't think it's the weapons. I think it's exact. I, I think you nailed the difference. Now, now Brett isn't Kirk Cousins where he just like n- rarely pulls it off. Brett will pull it off. Sure. He'll, he'll throw that pass well, to Greg Lewis. He'll pull it off, yes. And in the 90s, he, he clearly was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, won MVPs, you know, three straight years or whatever. But, yep. but t- like, find me the games, big games, Super Bowls, AFC championships. In 20 years of Tom Brady, you can count on less than one hand how many times he like shipwrecked a game in the final two minutes. Yes. So you can, there's, there's a couple. Uh, Tennessee, he kind of shipwrecked them last with with the Patriots two years ago, but that's that's the big the biggest difference. But they did they perfected the plan, and I think all three of us on the show love the plan, right? Like the plan is you got a good team, but what don't you have? I don't have a I don't have that QB, right? I don't have that guy. Oh, hold on a second, he's out there. Oh, he's aging. Yeah. Oh, that's okay because it can be a one year fling. So I do think that. What we saw, what now, 11 years basically after the fact, was the plan came to fruition in Tampa Bay because that was it. Yeah, Brady, uh, it's hard to compare Brady to any other living human uh, human being that carries a football because he's just like so far and beyond the greatest quarterback of all time. But he kind of helps put to bed the argument that well, it's the first year in a system, or because we've done that with Kirk, right? The, yeah. Oh, it was the first year, and it was the but, the collar code words rant. But from what's two the difference? Years ago. The difference is, and, and I, I think they talked about this on the telecast last night. At some point in time, I think in December or, or around Thanksgiving time, they were discussing the fact that Arians basically said, "You know what? You help coach Tom." That's the difference, mm-hmm. and Brett did that too. So, so Brad was a stickler, right, for my system. Uh, yeah, it's my system. Uh, and Favre basically, I think, said, okay, that's great, but we're going to do this and this. Uh, the difference is if you have that guy, the, the whole scheme thing becomes less important because it's not as dependent on what the coach tells the quarterback and the rest of the offense. It's now dependent on, I'm the quarterback. We're probably going to do what I say, and I think that because – you're comfortable with that. It changes the dynamic. Yeah, and in the I put Mahomes in this next category too, but there's a certain number of quarterbacks, Favre throughout his entire career, but 09 specifically, Tom Brady, Mahomes when he's not behind, you know, four backups or whatever it was along the offensive line. Those guys are driving the success of a team. Those guys are those guys are leaders. Those guys are making the offensive line better. Um, they're they're basically a co-head coach, right? Or a co-offensive coordinator. Yes. They're not just along for the ride. They're not just hoping that things around them are better. They are actively driving and making the things around them better. And uh, the difference then between Favre and Brady is like, Favre can help build that house and stay late and show guys how to watch film and <laughs> and drive it, and then he can just like tear it all down yep. <laughs> with a pass across I his body. I dropped a match. <laughs> and some gasoline. <laughs> Uh, my first statement today is, if the Vikings want to win a Super Bowl, they need two specific things offensively. Number one, a better pass-protecting offensive line, because as you saw in that game last night, even maybe the most physically talented, and when it's all said and done, maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, right next to Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, even he has a hard time overcoming Mike Remmers playing left tackle for the first time 
in five years and two or three seventh round picks. One guy off. I think their right guard was a waiver claim or something uh, in November. Yep. Yeah. From Pittsburgh. And so like what actually what you saw last night with the Chiefs offensive line was a lot worse than what the Vikings have gone through all season. That's the most important thing. Statement within a statement. The the Vikings never had to be clear. Okay, the Vikings never had tackles as bad as what the Chiefs did last night. Yeah, the Vikings tackles are actually both above average. So let's not let's not act like the entire thing was a train wreck. The interior was a problem. O'Neal and Reef. I don't think we're a problem. Yeah. So, so number one, if, if, if you're taking notes, Vikings, and you want to win a Super Bowl, a better pass-protecting offensive line. And number two, a quarterback who is better off schedule, a quarterback who is better against good teams, and a quarterback who is better in bright light moments. And by the way, when I say off schedule, I don't just mean when a play breaks down, be mobile and run. That's nice, too. Brady doesn't really have that. Brady's off schedule greatness is more when he walks up to the line of scrimmage and something is called, he surveys what's happening, makes tweaks, adjustments in protection, mm-hmm. hot routes, etc. Mm-hmm. And or when the ball is snapped, if something goes off schedule like, oh my God, there's a defender coming at me. His 43-year-old body is able to take the perfect step up, left, right, and still throw that ball down the field. It's little things, whether it's using your mobility if you're Pat Mahomes who, by the way, my God, some of the throws he made uh, running for his life last night. He's perpendicular to the ground at one point and throws a dart. How yes. how does how does a human arm do that? That one, and then Dude. when he rolled out to the left of the end zone and yep. just threw it up. I mean, yeah. my God, I, I don't understand how. Like that, that's what I don't get with Vikings fans. Like that is not the same thing. Like that is not the same thing. Those both should have been touchdowns. Too. Yes, yes. Dude, that one ball to the who that was it? Uh, the running back in the end zone. It lit, there's a yeah. screenshot of it. His arms are out, and the yeah. ball is hitting him in the face Bonk. mask. It's like, what? But I don't know. How How do, do you throw a laser when you are at a 90-degree angle to the ground? Pat Mahomes, man. Like, you don't just not have your feet. Your feet are above your butt, basically. Yeah. I had a bunch of people, I think, just to expand on this point, I think a lot of people have heard the Kirk Cousins criticism from me and from, our, from Mackie and Judd from Purple Daily and said, well, because... The Chiefs' offensive line was terrible, and they only scored nine, and Pat Mahomes was more pedestrian statistically last night. It proves the point that nothing matters if your offensive line isn't good. And I think people are boiling it down to this either-or. It's either the offensive line or it's the quarterback. And the reality is it's both, and there are varying degrees. Two things can be true. The first thing that's true is offensive lines absolutely are very important, if not crucial, to the success of an offense. And the Chiefs' offensive line was a mess last night. Sure. Um, but the second thing that is true is some quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes more than others, mm-hmm. the the mobile guys or the improvisational guys or the guys like Brady that are just elite pocket passers, you know, greatest of all time, that those guys are better at overcoming deficiencies than Kirk Cousins is. If you watched that game last night and you thought, well, that proves it. That proves it. If you just gave Kirk a great offensive line, then he would be Pat Mahomes. Then you are completely... Completely out to lunch. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, but off of that point, here's what I don't get. And I, I think this is the difference about how I watch games and how and how some folks watch games, okay? So I didn't look at that as ju- justification. Well, well, if Mike Remmer starts at left tackle, anyone's in trouble. Which, by the way, is true. We found that, that out through the course of four quarters. Here's my, But here's where I, what I saw that if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm like, oh boy. It's how Brady played. Because then ask yourself this, and I think Phil Mackey did. 
if you were to put your, if you were to make the Tampa Bay QB, if I if I went to Tampa yesterday, waved a magic wand, and Kirk Cousins started that game for the Bucks at quarterback with a complete knowledge of the system, okay? So, like, he's got everything going for him, same players, same personnel. Uh, as I watched that game, I thought to myself, at 43, this guy is doing things that Cousins pretty much at least mentally can't do. So that's that's how I I didn't see the, the game through the lens of the Chiefs QB. I saw the game through the lens of the Bucks QB, yeah. and that's and that's why this goes back to a long time discussion throughout the course of our seven years that still holds true. This is why, unless you have a damn near great one, you almost are smarter to leave the door of opportunity open to get a great one on a short term contract. Yeah, because. I did not see the Bucks and Brady and think, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I like this. Cousins, same QB, same team. He would not have been in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think you can make a case that if it was just that one game, the way that the Buccaneers defense played against that ravaged offensive line, that a lot of quarterbacks would have been able to just navigate the ship in that game because you only had to score 10 points to win. But if you're talking about over the course of a full season, the difference between Tom Brady and uh, and let's say the difference between Tom Brady and the bin of quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins, right? So Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, the non-mobile pocket passer guys. People continually underestimate the behind-the-scenes value that Brady brings. Like the leadership, the confidence, the bleep-you mentality, the assuredness. All of those things and the football things that he brings, just accuracy and knowing how to move and strafe in the pocket. Um, and people, I mean, he's 43, so it's 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 unprecedented territory age-wise. And so I get why people question it. But, man, like there is no – you can't just say, well, he's a, he's, a, he's an immobile statue quarterback. And so, therefore, all immobile statue quarterbacks. No, no, no. He is a cyborg and one of the greatest leaders in the history of sports. I Period. also think that 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 the the Chiefs' defensive game plan against Kirk works way more. And, and if I'm correct about this, I think the the Bucks' first two possessions weren't great. In Kirk's world, that in a big game that throws Kirk off. Mm-hmm. So like B- Brady does not care. He's just like okay, believe it. Um, and I think part of the thing with Kirk is, and we have seen this. I don't think he has the bleep Eugene. Like, I don't think he, he's got the, you know what, eh, whatever. No, I might be wrong, but I've watched three years, and you tell me, when's the last time that the Vikings played a really good team? And you said, you know what, Kirk's going to, to be, be fine. In fact, I'll take you back. The first drive last year in KC, you're playing the Chiefs and Matt Moore, right? Like, this is a difficult game that all of a sudden the football gods have given you a gift. If I'm not mistaken, the first drive, he threw a bad pass to Thielen. He got thrown off, and they lost the game. Yeah. So um, I, I told I told you guys this before the show, and you. So my plan last night was all right. I mm-hmm. haven't gotten that much sleep the last couple weeks. I keep going to bed too late. You know, I think one night last week, the end of the last season of Friends, there was a marathon on Nickelodeon oh until midnight. Yeah. I just like sometimes I just stay up watching TV no or one whatever. Told you. Yeah. It's a great show. It's a great show. All right. And last night, my plan yeah. was. All right, we're on a break. The game is over. It's nine forty-five. Yep, I'm going to bed. I'm going to crash. I'm getting nine hours of sleep. It's going to be amazing. Getting older, Atta boy. Yep, 
Good for you. You're aging. And so I lay in bed. I'm all cozied up. It's 15 below zero outside. We got the heat turned up, right? And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take one more, one more little scroll. Got your tea. Through social media here. Just, you know, just see what yeah, people this are. This is famous last oh, words. Boy. Famous last words. About. Just going to take one more scroll through Twitter. Yeah. And uh, and so I started. I I, I think I, I tweeted a response about Kirk Cousins and because I had been tweeting about Kirk Cousins during the game, and um, and this led me down a rabbit hole. I wound up for two hours. It was like eleven forty five. I'm still just staring at my phone and fighting with Kirk Cousins fans. And there's a couple of Vikings bloggers in there that are with oh, you know boy. a few thousand followers that are trying to dunk on me. And so I'm just like fighting on social media. And I realized, all right, <laughs> I need I need to get out of here when. Um, I had I had given someone the link to the Kirk Cousins late in games stats from the end of November, like a three year Viking sample of Kirk late in games has a 53 passer rating. He just doesn't do well in those situations. And the eye test proves it. The stats prove it. And somebody comes back and I was like, All right, I got to I got to log out for the day. Someone comes back and says. These are outdated stats. You didn't add the Carolina game that he played well late and brought the Vikings back. The, the Carolina game! The Carolina game! You didn't include the Carolina game where Kirk came back. Oh, the Jaguars and the Panthers. And, oh, he almost did it against the Titans. Oh, no, he was no so actually, close. He didn't. actually, he didn't. He completely, <laughs> he completely soiled his pants against the Titans. But like, this is so... Th- you remember that? This is the thing... Like there's there's a difference between what you saw last night with the Buccaneers and what you've seen for two years with the Kansas City Chiefs until they ran you know their their ravaged offensive line worse than the Vikings offensive line has ever been. Yep. Last night yep. ran into that defensive front. Those guys are playing chess on a different level. And when we sit here and say, well, but what about the Denver comeback from two years ago? Oh, that Carolina comeback. Those aren't the teams that matter. Those aren't the teams that matter. Go beat the Seahawks. And I get that, like, well, maybe the defense should prevent the Seahawks. Maybe the offense should get a yard. Well, don't throw, get back- a yard. Don't throw backwards to in that uh, yeah. game Sorry. a few years back. But look, look, the mission of this show, to remind you all, the mission of this show is what? Not to dump on the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. The no. mission of this show is to see them holding the Lombardi Trophy in Tampa Bay last night. How do we get there? We are looking to elevate. How do we, we are get looking there? for championships? So, so we will only want you gone if you can't get the team there. That's why we would want you gone. But if you can, welcome aboard. Football. Get on the ship. <laughs> all right, all right. Statement three. Finally, a seamless transition. <laughs> get on, get on the boat. And it's. I just want the Vikings to go to one Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> the following teams. The following teams have been to multiple Super Bowls since 2000. These NFL franchises have gone to the multiple Super Bowls in 2000 since the year 2000. The Chiefs, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Giants, the Eagles, the Broncos, the Rams, the Panthers. The they are Carolina the Panthers yeah. have gone to two Super Bowls, which they've lost. So, so 25% of the league has gone to two Super Bowls in the last 20 years. And the Vikings have not been to one. In, in 40-some-odd yeah. years. In some-odd years. So for, I, I was watching this game alone, and I was even trying to figure out, like, all right, because I remember watching NFC Championship games. I've experienced plenty of those already with the Vikings. But 
how would I enjoy the Super Bowl? Like, would I want to watch it with friends? Would I want to watch it alone? I think I would want to watch it alone. I'm dead serious where Good I would just you. want to watch it like by that. myself. I did that with, I'm the, with you. I did that with the Twins in 2019 in the divisional round. When they played their first playoff game in a decade. I shut my phone off. I didn't communicate on social media. People were actually concerned about my well-being because of the biggest baseball game in Minnesota in 10 years. I was nowhere to be found, so they actually thought something had happened to me. But I want the Vikings it to go to feeling. a Super Bowl just so I can experience this day once. Yeah. And all these other franchises, are you kidding me? Like these these franchises, the Panthers, the Giants, the Eagles, the Rams, the Bucks have figured out how to get to the Super Bowl. I just want the Vikings to go yeah. one time. And the, the Vikings, like, this is what annoys me. The Vikings fall, and sometimes large chunks of the fan base get, like, brainwashed and zombied into this thinking, too. They fall in love with meaningless accomplishments and milestones. Well, we have a running back that ran for 2,000 yards. Or, look at this, another running back that, you know, averages more all-purpose yards. And we have a defense that does this. It's like, okay... What are the main ingredients to win a Super Bowl? And are you at least somewhat going down that path blueprint-wise? And we've, you know, we've started bringing this up you know, in the middle of the season, just doing some research on what types of quarterbacks win Super Bowls. And once again, and it would have been the case with either one of these two guys, over that 20-year stretch that Declan just brought up. So 20-year stretch, modern NFL, passing era, Vikings have no Super Bowl appearances, and... Teams like the Panthers have have two, right? How do you get there? What's the blueprint? And 90% of Super Bowl winners over that stretch have either a legendary quarterback or they have a quarterback on a rookie-scale contract. If you don't have either of those things, we're literally talking about, like, the 2002 Buccaneers or I believe it would be, like, the Joe Flacco. No, he was on a rookie contract. The second Eli Manning Super Bowl in 2011 where they also had, like, Hall of Fame pass rush um, they caught lightning in a bottle in the playoffs. Like, right? What path are you on? Are you on the ten percent path, or do you have a chance to be on the ninety percent path? And I'm not saying it's a ninety percent chance if you get a rookie quarterback, but I'm saying it's almost a zero percent chance if you have a non-elite quarterback making fifteen percent of your salary cap, and you can throw d- defense, offensive line, all those things at me, and those things are all relevant too. All of them are relevant too. But it's a, it's literally a non-starter if you don't have rookie scale contract or legend. Move off the thing that doesn't fit into one of those bins. Or you please. bring in, or you, or you farm in one for a season or two. That's what you do. You just uh, if you look the the Vikings in two thousand nine and the Bucks this year are basically taking a page from the NBA playbook, and it makes some sense. It makes it makes sense. Get a quarterback who gets it, who is good. He does not have to be in his prime. Um, the pro- the problem here is that we are, sports-wise, we are, are so starved for success that, that we take things that, that are good enough and celebrate them. It's good enough. I mean, they won a division a couple of years ago. It's good enough, right? They went to, to the playoffs. I mean, your baseball team has lost 18 consecutive playoff games. Think about that. Longest losing streak in North American sports history for men's sports. And your football team pops, you know, 2009 it popped, 2017 it sort of popped. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. the reality football-wise is, and this is really sad, the reality for us is we are probably what you would call the good Cleveland Browns. Right? Yeah, it's like not, the good it's Cleveland not Browns because it's, it's not, not a ba- train. It's not bags on your head. It's not a train wreck. It's not a train wreck. 
but but if you look, the teams that have not made Super Bowls in the last, what now, 43, 45 years, yeah. are uh, the Vikings, the Lions, the Browns franchise. Browns? Two of them, but I mean. The Jaguars. But I mean, They haven't been around that long. But, but I yeah. mean, if you look at, at this, the Vikings are good. The Vikings are solid. But the one thing that they have in common with terrible teams, to Declan's point, they have not made a Super Bowl. And I'm not talking won one. I'm talking made one. Just made it. Football. Yeah, I know. I'm with you, Dex. Sports have hurt me more than women in my lifetime, okay? <laughs> Minnesota sports are just kicking me below the groin. Yeah. I feel like Minnesota sports got kicked in the groin last night despite not even playing, too. Because yeah. it was like Antoine Winfield well, out there celebrating a championship. And, and actually, my next statement dovetails perfectly into what you just said, Phil Mackey. The Buccaneers' Super Bowl victory will embolden Mike Zimmer to stick to his philosophy of how to win football games, even if he doesn't have the defense yet or the correct QB. Because the recipe that the Bucs used, you'd think Zim didn't watch that game and thought, I could have shut down the Chiefs too, right? I could have shut them down too. And I like to run the ball. I like to, to use what? Play action? I like to have a good defense. Like the ingredients. He he doesn't have the ingredients in his house yet. But what Zim saw is very much the blueprint for how he sees things. And so what the Buccaneers did is going to make privately say, and probably go into Rick's office today and say this, this is what we're trying to do. This actually works. And they might actually, with, with Pierce and Hunter coming back next year, the defensive line might get back to a similar level of, all right, they can get after quarterbacks without having to send blitzers. And, yeah, who's your right end? That's my question, I guess, but yeah. But they're, like, they're, there's a good chance the defense jumps back into the top half and maybe even into the top 10 in terms of points allowed, etc. But the Buccaneers literally, the Buccaneers had a lot of those same ingredients before Tom Brady got there. The Buccaneers, yes. excuse me, had a really ferocious defense yes. the year before. Yes. And they went, I think, 7-9, and nine, and missed the playoffs, 8-8, eight and eight, something like that. Their QB through what, thirty-two picks or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just it's 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 such a hard blueprint to take to a Super Bowl championship, unless you have the goat quarterback or unless you have a generationally great overall defense, like we've seen at times with the Ravens, etc. Yeah. So, but but I think Mike is now going to watch that game and say, "Well, that's it. That's what we're doing," and he's right as far as ideas. Uh, Personnel-wise, they are not that close. Football. Speaking of Antoine Winfield from a couple minutes ago, here's my next statement. Let athletes taunt each other. What's, what's, not to mention, okay, why is it a 15-yard penalty on Antoine Winfield Jr. for the callback taunt? He gives the deuces, the peace sign to to Tyreek Hill. Yep. But when Tyreek Hill does it to him two months ago or whatever it was, and gives him the deuces as he walks into the end zone, he doesn't get flagged on that, right? Uh, and I don't want him to. I don't think anyone should get flagged for celebrating right? and having fun. He did the deuces, and then he backflipped. <laughs> Actually, I think he did the deuces on one of them, and then the backflip on yeah. another one. Yeah, uh, still pretty good. But, like, Antoine Winfield pays it back, gives him the deuces on, on uh, national TV. I just think, like, does is anyone clamor besides the, besides the team that is looking for a flag, is anyone sitting at home clamoring for a flag to be thrown there. 
Just let um, these guys have some. A certain demographic of people would be, yes, would be all yeah, over them throwing Who flag. cares about them? It's me, and I don't old, care about me. Crusty sports yeah, fans. 50, 51-year-old me, throw a flag on Winfield. The same people who crapped on a halftime show because they've never heard. Oh, we'll get, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that, too. We'll get to that. I want Judd's takes on I that halftime show. Football. On the weekend? Um, we'll save him. Save him. We'll get there. No, we'll no, get... no, no. I was go- going to, to say that, that flag was one of few that I was curious about. Okay. Last night, I didn't think the I didn't think the Carl Sheffers officiating crew had a great night. Although the second I half feel, they were like fine. The first half they were flag there happy. There was some ticky tack stuff on Kansas City in the first half, but also like like there the the one that I think Teron Matthew was the most apoplectic about was the illegal. It was called pass interference. Yeah. yeah, on Mike Evans in the end zone, and the ball looked like it was sailing pretty high. But dude, you can't just like. Put your hands on a guy the, three yards into the end zone in that situation. Pro- That's the, a penalty. The problem is you can't play the entire Packers Bucks game with almost no flags and then go crazy last night. Yeah, it was like weird. you've got to be consistent. You have to be, and it's fine if it's one. Or if it's if it's flags or no, if that's the across the board, that's fine. But that Packers game was ridiculous. I think they threw like three flags, which seemed odd too. But like the Chiefs had eight flags thrown against them in the first half. Was there any? Because a lot of people, I think, are crying conspiracy theory that no, it's just the league loves Tom Brady. Is there any real incentive for the league to have said, "All right, officials, we got to make sure Tom gets his seventh tonight." I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't it be in the league's interest to make sure Pat Mahomes is the next 15-year superstar that know. chases Tom Brady's I records? I don't think that the league would actually say that. I do think it looked bad. Yes. Like, it just looks bad. But again, again, sit the crew down and, and say, okay, the Packers and Bucks game established something here. Like, you can't now just go, go back to, oh, he might have... The, the one that got me was the P.I. that they called. It wasn't in the end zone. It was down the field, and it looked like the receiver, I think he tripped on his own feet to a certain point, and he was sort of grabbed, but, I mean, come on, and they threw a flag, and you're like, really? I thought that oh, was that was late, Evans late second quarter. It was Evans and it was Mike Evans and yes. some and whoever the defender was hit him in the back of the foot. I mean, I don't know. I I think a lot of people were football. Applying too much. All right, back to Declan here. Yeah. All right. So I know a lot of Vikings fans and a lot of people are saying, "Well, you just uh, fix the offensive line because watching Patrick Mahomes run around for his life is just like being a Vikings fan." No. Watching Patrick Mahomes run for his life is not the same as being a Vikings fan. I know what you're trying to say. Last night was Patrick Mahomes' worst passer rating of his career in a game started. That was the worst game of his career. And in fact, if we're just looking at passer rating, he performed pretty poorly in last year's Super Bowl when it comes to passer rating, but he did dagger the team when it mattered the most in the fourth quarter. Watching Pat Mahomes run around and basically have a circus act is something none of no Vikings quarterback has ever been able to do. Maybe Dante? Fran Tarkenton. Yeah, Maybe Tarkenton Fran Tarkenton 60 years not ago. not throw like that. My God, dude. Like It's <laughs> not, not the bullets. same thing at all. Patrick yeah. Mahomes on his worst day is better than 99% of the quarterback play I've seen in purple in my entire lifetime. It's not the same, people. Kirk would have been same. annihilated last he night. He would have been. Like, he wouldn't yeah. have gotten up at some point. No. He wouldn't have been. He's extremely durable, and he takes a yeah. lot of licks. But no, watching Patrick Mahomes run for his life is yeah. not the same as being a Vikings fan. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I, there's a, there's a lot of like just really these comparisons to well, see, offensive line, offensive line's bad. Even Pat Mahomes looks terrible. <laughs> what you saw last night 
was two tackles that didn't belong playing their positions. like Against you, two really good guys that, that could rush. Mm-hmm. JPP is really good, too. And, and no one like no one is arguing that the offensive line doesn't need to be fixed. But I think there's a lot of people arguing if the offensive line, you get a left guard in here, and then you get Daniel Hunter back, and the Vikings are going to be the team that goes from seven wins to a Super Bowl. Yep. And that's the fool's gold that we are trying to examine. And we will continue to all off season on Purple Daily, five days a week. Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, and YouTube. Back to Jeff. Football. Because we are fixing the Vikings, boys. We are fixing them. So off my officiating point, if indeed refs are going to call defensive penalties like they did on the Chiefs in the first half last night, I suggest that Zim finds himself a new line of work today. Because that's a blueprint for how he likes his corners to play. Which, by the way... I'm fine with like, you know, you grab guys at some point, right? You try and spin them a bit. And there have been times throughout the course of the 2020 season where they didn't call that. And that's fantastic. That's fine. But the first half when they called um, eight penalties, the majority of which were on the KC defense, if that's going to now be the league coming back and saying, you know what? We need to call more. We need to call more. Good luck, Zim, because Gladney and and Dantzler and that crew are still young and they're still trying to um, learn. And I think being handsy and slowing guys down will, will probably be a pretty important part of the mission for 2021. And if we are going to see flags left and right, Zim, there's a lot of good jobs. Major D at Murray's perhaps. Uh, something like that, because he will absolutely go crazy if this is the new norm. Football. Uh, One more from me here, because we did have some breaking news this morning. Clint Kubiak is officially the Vikings offensive coordinator, 33 years old, and he'll take over for his father, who I'm sure is going to be involved in some capacity, uh, if nothing else, just as a dad who also had that job last year and kind of the year before. And my statement off of off of that news is the Vikings very clearly now want to run it back with very similar pieces and philosophies as the last couple of years. Um, and I think running it back is likely to get them to 9, 10, 11 wins. Maybe even if the Packers take a step back or something, the chemistry is weird with Aaron Rodgers. You might have a chance to win a division. You might. I just don't think this offensive philosophy is going to get you to where you really want to go. And you're going to be in a very similar spot, maybe even with more openings, depending on what happens with Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, one year from today. I think I think this kind of signifies, all right, we're, we're, kind of cool, we're kind of cool with where we're going here, and we just think if we run it back one more time and get some pieces back and get a left guard in here, that we, we can do what we really want to do, which is win a Super Bowl. And uh, I don't know. I like to talk so, about this. I got questions. Um... Question one, do you think realistically that Delvin Cook is going to be as good in 2021 as he was in 20? Just from a physical health ability to bring it standpoint. If he's, I I would worry about durability like always. I just feel like his workload was so aggressive. Maybe him missing a couple games uh, toward the end of the season. He missed one or two, I guess. It was two. But Maybe that's a blessing. I just feel like he's the he's the type of guy that, like we saw it with Christian McCaffrey, when you carry that many times per game, 
it almost always comes back to bite you the next year, and I would have my radar up for that if I'm the Vikes. Uh, question two, if that does take place and, and he is still good but not great, um, do you think that they have the ability or the desire to pivot to a plan that, that would still make play action important and cook important, but more so would turn towards Jefferson and the passing game? Um, I think Alex Madison would pretty much just slot in as Dalvin Cook. And I think he would then I mean, be would the one that then... gets the ball 25 times a game. Okay, but that's my question. Because <laughs> yeah. I think if you morph this, if you kept the same scheme in place, but sort of flipped things a bit, and, and like went more towards the passing game and the tight ends, and in particular Jefferson, mm-hmm. uh, I think you got a chance. But if you're going to come back with the exact same plan of oh, we have to run the ball, we have to control the, the ball, and you know the preference of the head coach is that Dalvin Cook carries – 25 times and touches 32 times per game. I don't see how it necessarily works. I mean, if you want to win big, if you want to win Super Bowls, throwing the ball has to be the driver of your offense. Time and time again, we see that play out in the analytics, in the statistics. And the Vikings kind of do it the other way, which is, okay, we're going to start from a place of running. Yeah. And and then we're going to take the training wheels off if we start to feel good about ourselves. But the minute that we get a little over our skis and Kirk throws a couple interceptions... Boom, we're gonna he's only gonna throw the ball fifteen times next game. That's how this works. Like, okay, Kirk throws the ball forty times, forty five, or throws a couple interceptions. The next game it's like hand off forty times and put the training wheels back on. Yep. And at some point you're either gonna have to trust the bike without the training wheels or find a system and a quarterback that you do trust without training wheels if you want to do what Super Bowl winning teams do offensively. Yes, and, and I think the most important thing too is this. Zimmer's idea of how to work a game actually might work and and win you a Super Bowl in the Super Bowl. But I think where people get a little bit confused is this one. You can't get there with that plan only. So so like if if you get to that game and Zim's like we're going to do my game plan plan. I actually think if your defense plays well enough in said game that you can win that game. Yeah. But what people don't get is is what's going to get get you, you know, the 12 wins, 13 wins. The home and, game and then through and the, the end, yeah. exactly is what you just talked about Phil. That's the difference. So so the Zimmer template I think can win you that one game, but I don't think it can get you to that game. Mm-hmm. If that Football. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this is like well, you and I have disagreed on a lot of things over 7 years. I almost wish that we disagreed more on this because we're we're both just beating the same drum, and it's it's like we've banded together to argue against the people that disagree with but us. I don't think it's know? that difficult. <laughs> like I don't think philosophy of scheme of football is like we see we watch games every week essentially, and what we're talking about is beat home continually. Mm-hmm. Like we see it continually. Yeah. Look, if I would think that you're a fool. If we were to have this discussion in 1992, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Defense on the run, baby. Big shoulder pads. Fullbacks. Ne- neck-, neck rolls. Neck rolls, yeah. Football. But unfortunately, I mean, it just, it's changed. I can't help it. Yeah. All, right. All right, last statement here. Last yeah. statement, Dex. Transitions perfectly. Uh, and it's who do you want to be, Clint Kubiak? So Clint Kubiak is now the offensive coordinator. He's 33 years old, young guy. Kind of that new mold of a young offensive OC that maybe could get a job one day as the next guru in the NFL. His dad, Gary Kubiak, is one of the more respected and successful NFL coaches. 
of the last 25 years. He has turned people like Matt Schaub into pro bowlers. He has turned UDFA running backs into bell cows. I mean, his dad has a great legacy. Won a Super Bowl at Denver? Good stuff. And I think anyone, a lot of people, if they, and most people do have good relationships with their father. They should aspire and achieve to be their dad. But I want to know who Clint Kubiak wants to be. Do you just want to take your dad's offensive formula and just run it back? Do you want to change this up a little bit and be a pass-first heavy offense? Like, I don't think who you Who is ju- your daddy? Yeah, who is what your daddy? does he do? Take the running back, get up to the carpet. Who is your daddy? Get the quarterback in shotgun, put the receiver in motion. We're going to play the Chargers? The Chargers. God. So it's, it's oh. who do you want to be, Clint Kubiak? Like, you can definitely aspire to be as successful as your father, and I think those are great goals to have. But I also want you to find your own identity and not have to morph to what your dad did. Do what you want to do, man. Zim did not hire Clint Declan to have him be anything but his dad. To have his own thoughts. <laughs> like, can you imagine if Clint came in and said, Mike, 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 I'm super excited. And Mike said, why, Clint? He said, I've been watching 2017 DeFilippo film. Kirk and shotguns. There's some great ideas here. It's very modern. I think this is fantastic. You're fired. Well. <laughs> You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. And, you know, to and, live. and Gary Kubiak, <laughs> over the 30 years that he has been a great coordinator in the 90s and then a head coach, like over his career, he's been a great and oftentimes innovative offensive mind. I just think, I think what the Vikings are trying to do is very antiquated and it could use, you can, you can keep some of the same principles, but it could definitely use a, a 2021 modernized facelift. And I don't know that I'm with Judd. Like, I don't know if Clint is going to be allowed to right. give it the facelift. I will we'll caution see. this. Um, so the Vikings came back, from the bye and were successful with basically the cook plan. <laughs> and in the two games after the bye week, uh, Kirk averaged 17 passes per game in wins against the Packers and Detroit. All right. I'm going to tell you right now, I find it hard to believe that that was largely Gary's idea. Like I think Zim, look, we have to get the fact that as long as Mike is coach here, Mike is going to have Mike does not now leave the kitchen as far as suggestions. Like he might <laughs> he might not come to you cooking, but he has basically pulled the ingredients off the shelf and said, "Cook with these or else." Yeah. So like I think that's very clear now. Very clear. Yeah. Um one just just for fun, I don't mean to open up a huge can of worms, but our friend Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders he took the Clint Kubiak, Clint Kubiak, 33 years old. It's not like Clint was a big NFL quarterback or anything. He's he's Gary's son. And I don't doubt that he works really hard and that he does have, maybe he winds up being a great offensive coordinator. But Aaron tweets, we'll know the NFL has finally reached the 21st century when the sons of black coaches are easily getting jobs through nepotism. And his point is true. In a league where 75% of players are black, and we have, I believe, two black head coaches now. Um, we used to have like six. Now it's two. Tomlin and Flores. And guys like Eric Bieniemy at age 50 continue to be passed up by yeah. 32, 35-year-olds. Todd, Bo- Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. Coach my God, what a blueprint that guy put together. Great right? game last why night. Why has Leslie Frazier with some great blueprints since, you know, why has he not gotten this? I don't think he's a great head coach, but like there's been a lot of, a lot of white guys who clearly were not great head coaches that sure. got second chances too. And so... Something to watch. I'm not saying the Vikings are overtly racist. I'm just saying the NFL's system of uh, empowering and hiring 
black coaches and black executives is very much flawed and um, and and worth digging deeper into. Yeah, and the Vikings do do have a co uh, a co DC that is Mike's kid and now an OC that's Gary's kid. So um, yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting in that it's really easy to get a job I mean, not, if you're a not son from a of black a former and white coach. standpoint, but just from uh, oh, my kid needs something to do. <laughs> Let's make him a position coach or a coordinator. Yeah, well, maybe this will all work out, and the Vikings will. You know, we honestly like if if we're wrong about all this, and the Vikings go on and go thirteen and three and play in a Super Bowl next year, then we will happily come on the shows and make fun of ourselves. Make a Super Bowl all though. day long. Make the Super Bowl. Well, win the Super Bowl win. is what. Well, but is what we should. But be like, it about. can't be thirteen wins. Oh, but you got knocked out in the divisional round. Just need another right. Like they can yeah. win. We know that they can win thirteen games. Yep. They've proven that. Yep. They can win twelve games easy. Oof, that might have set the record for the longest yeah, long statement session in football. football. Right, quick pause, and then what are we watching that includes Judd's takes on the weekend at halftime? The weekend and was great. Commercials that W E E K E N D. It was great. Football. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? <laughs> legend, legend. All right, boys, what are we watching? Powered by TCL TVs. Enjoy more of what you love. Let's do two categories here. Super Bowl commercials and halftime show with The weekend. Um did you guys were were any Super Bowl commercials stand out to you? There's one. There's a couple. There's for me. one. For I me. had I had one that stuck with me pretty much, but yeah. I think beyond that, that's it. Was it Drake from State Farm? Uh, no, it was actually <laughs> oh. not. Which, which which was funny. Uh, Drake from State Farm. It's hilarious. No, it, it was it was the one with Wayne's World with Carvey and Mike Myers. Okay, that's pretty good. And yeah. but here's why. How much work? has Mike Myers had done. Yeah. Like his face looked like, like it was put on. Yeah, I don't know. If and I know he's work. older and we all are. That's fine. But I, th- I, I think it's more TV makeup than it is. Work. Oh, is that? Okay. I don't, I don't think Okay, that. it just looked, I was I'm like, guessing. oh my God. And, and you know, Carvey's aged as well, but he just looks like he's aged, which is awesome. That's fine. We all age. But um, for a second, I was like, is that Mike Myers or is that? Mike Myers from Halloween. I couldn't tell. So that's the one that stuck with me. And and yet, uh, State Farm was good. I'm not sure if I'm correct on this. It felt to me like, and I'm sure that this is because of uh, companies being affected by the pandemic. It felt to me like the commercials weren't as over the top or as multiple as they usually are. Yeah, didn't you also have some big players like Bud Light? Wasn't there's yeah. a couple of big players that didn't participate? That, Bud Light did. Bud Light would. did. There was one big beer company, and that then Anweiser Bush did one right at the end of the like fourth quarter. They had one. Yeah. Um, the ones that stood out for me, I love the Michael B. Jordan Alexa one. I mean, that is that was hilarious. That was highly that was sexual. One. Well, because it's Michael B. Jordan, he's like the most handsome man in the no, world. No, I know, but I, I I'm not like, into this men. Is really, sexual. I'm not into men, but I would let Michael B. Jordan take me out to dinner and at least see what happens. The comment about <laughs> just the, to see what happens. The comment where where I know he isn't either. Where her husband and or boyfriend says, "I think it's wet enough." Was like really <laughs> over the top. I was like, "This uh, is going to get feedback." We're getting pretty edgy now. You got yeah. like those. I don't think they ran an ad last night, but there's the uh, the Gronk commercials with the like the uh, Manscaped. Yeah, like the, uh, it's the lawnmower. The lawnmower. The okay, lawnmower. we're much more edgy with our advertising. Um, than I also 
I despise these two things, so I like the commercial. Amy Schumer, I can't stand. Mayonnaise, I can't stand. So the fact she was endorsing mayonnaise, I kind of was like, this is great because I don't like these two things at all, and it kind of works together. It's two perfect evils together. What don't you like about mayonnaise? Uh, It's just a disgusting condiment. (laughs) It is is vile. What about Schumer? She's on the same level of mayonnaise to me. I I can't can't stand her. I don't find her funny at all. Not not a fan. Well, I, I not a fan. I'm not like a, a diehard her. fan, but I think she's. I would avoid. She'll hit a couple seeing, home runs. She's okay. Seeing her movies and her stand. You know, you know that she wow. used to date Dolph Ziggler before she was super famous. No, I did not. That's yeah. hilarious. Go look. There's some interesting stories. Maybe not safe for microphone about. Oh, let, let's just say. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Let's just say that things got a little rowdy with sure. them when they were in the bedroom. In the bedroom. Yeah. Sounds right. Mm-hmm. I could so, do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the only, like, literally the only one that I came away thinking, all right, I, I LOL'd for that was Drake from State Farm. I don't know why. Maybe because it rhymes with Jake. <laughs> hey, Rogers. It's pretty good. <laughs> hey, Rogers. I love that guy. That guy's great. Uh, what about, okay, halftime show with the weekend, scale of one to 10, like Prince in the Rain in ten. whatever year it was, being a 10. Yeah, Miami. And a one being like the weird marching bands from the 70s that Judd remembers, <laughs> but we don't. Where they would just they would just bring out like the two lane marching band and mail it in. Yep. How would you rate it? Do you want me to start? Yeah. Um, you guys might be a little bit surprised. I'm gonna give it a a six. Wow. Oh, I, it's okay. fine. No, no, now, yeah. now Prince is a ten. The one that I really liked maybe three years ago now, Bruno Mars, I thought was fantastic. Oh, interesting. He's great because like his one man show, like that He's guy, talented. that guy could work a stage, and I mm-hmm. thought that that he was really good. This didn't have the same vibe to me, but I mean, it, it's fine. A Super Bowl halftime show is so damn tough. Yeah, like it's I I'm not gonna look. Petty McCartney, they oh. all ha- have tried it. Springsteen, and I was like, this is not good. Oh, yeah. So all I'm due not respect gonna... to like Tom Petty, but yeah. you want to put me to sleep halftime of a Super Bowl show? Just get Tom Petty so standing not... there for so an hour with his. I'm guitar. not going to hold you to to uh, man. If the weekend wasn't fantastic, it's a six. It, it was fine. It, it was not my favorite, but there are ones before that that were terrible. And this was not terrible. Yeah. It was like a seven for me, and I think it's so predictable. Every time there's a halftime show, it's you know. People jump, rush to social media to say, oh, what was that? That didn't do anything for it's me. every single year now, though. Now, I will say the part for like 30 seconds where he was doing the psychedelic handheld camera thing, that made me feel a little queasy. A little much. But I thought it was fine. It was creative. And he's super talented. He has catchy mainstream songs. Um, I So I get the mainstream appeal. And I'm going to give it a 7. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Keep in mind, when Michael Jackson, I think it was, was it the second... Bill's loss or the third, one of those early 90s Super Bowls. And Michael Jackson does this amazing halftime show, and he's like at the peak of his career. And I guarantee you, people over the age of 50, if they could rush to social media in the early 90s, would have been like, I didn't really get it. I don't understand. <laughs> Why is he wearing that sequin jacket? Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You're right. yeah so too many loud noises for me. <laughs> loud so noises. I'm going to get a seven. I think it's a solid, solid seven as well. It's different. It was definitely different and unique, and I, I, I do appreciate that. It was weird. You're trying to, you're trying to, you know, understand it in the moment. I can get that, but I thought mostly it was, it was a unique and a different spin of the Super Bowl halftime show. I was a little disappointed, although I understood why. Usually, there's always, you know, a couple guests that the acts will bring out sometimes, and I was hoping he was going to bring out somebody, and he didn't. But that was okay. He did his own thing, and I respect that. Sound not great. Yeah, the, the, I didn't think the sound was great. Yeah, the, the sound engineers' it's like, takes were out. But, I mean, that's your thing. 
Correct. It's the Super Bowl. Ha- there, there's no well. It's in a stadium. You can't expect me. No, I do expect it. And again, <laughs> and and again, it goes down the Zolgad idea path of this. Put the Super Bowl halftime show in a theater, not on the field. I don't care about the fans there. Who gives a crap? Put the show. It's for TV. Put it in on a stage, and I don't care where New York or something. It's a great call. Yeah, and like give me a halftime show. And I want it perfect. Yeah. Actually, the best <laughs> halftime show ever was uh, something similar. It was a different network. I think it was USA Network in the year 2000. They did halftime heat. It was a 15 minute wrestling match I remember, right. between I the, the Rock and Mankind. I Good. think they were, it was like an empty arena match, mm-hmm. and they were just like tumbling down steps and that stuff. Was awesome. It's great. Should just do that every year. I, I agree. But yeah, give me a halftime show that is produced to the nth degree in a theater. What did you guys think? Were you guys as as mortified as I was when they showed the first shot of the crowd and it looked because they they had oh, cardboard cutouts, so something like sixty they had like thirty thousand cardboard cutouts, yeah. and so from a distance it was like whoa is this place packed we haven't seen this in a long time it's Florida DeSantos <laughs> and, man come on come all yeah and Florida is definitely a little more shall we say uh, well they're they're a little more liberal in that sense and that they they don't care about masks no. Um, but I was I, I couldn't believe at first I was like, what? We just went from an empty U.S. Bank Stadium all year, and now you literally have people sitting shoulder to shoulder. But it wasn't quite shoulder to shoulder. and People mostly wore masks. A hundred so. bucks a cutout, too. It okay, cost a so hundred thir- bucks. So 30000 t- so Which I think th- went to charity. So $3 million in cardboard cutout revenue? Yes. <laughs> so they charged a hundred bucks. And now, I what? think it did go to charity, so I believe. But yes. So if you if you had seen this, Phil... You could have attended as a cardboard cutout. What's the, Super the value Bowl. of that, though? They don't all get on camera. No, but I, I think they put you in a drawing then yeah. to win Super Bowl tickets for next year. But I mean, you're still probably not going to win. Right. But a uh, hundred bucks, I wouldn't pay twenty bucks. Like the Twins charge twenty, I think. I wouldn't pay twenty bucks for a cardboard cutout of myself. Who the hell cares? I feel like the Twins charge more than twenty or fifty, whatever they charge, it too much. But, um, but what's the allure at Target Field too? Like, do they they don't guarantee that you're going to be on camera? No, hell no, no. Okay. It's just like, hey, me and my dog are at the game. Um, so, so this league has one obsession that I'm confused by, and I'm old. So this is not a get off my lawn rant, okay? But can somebody please? And I know this guy is is revered. Can somebody explain the whole Lombardi thing to me? Like, we still have a, what, like a silhouette thing of Vince talk. Like, this would be like the NBA Finals are about to start. But first, let's hear from Red Arbuck. Here's or, my, I have a take on this. Yeah, but I mean, I explain to me. I, I think, and, and I'm going to zoom out. Vince Lombardi is, is part of this bin. I'm going to zoom out to the whole bin. Okay. I think the NFL looks at Super Bowl five-hour TV window when you, like an hour before the game, and really it's like a, 15-hour window. It starts at 5 in the morning or something. But um, they look at that four- or five-hour TV window, and they say, okay, we're going to have half the country watching. Mm-hmm. We're going to have old people, young people, white people, black people, Hispanic people. Like, how can we represent with everything from the national anthem to the halftime show to any sort of things that we would do with like vignettes and Vince Lombardi and they, and they think, how can we represent as many groups of football fans as possible? And Vince Lombardi. So the weekend represents people maybe 35 and under and Eric church represents blue collar America. 
And Vince Lombardi represents people who are old and love football. I really think that's their goal. I think it's we don't want to alienate anyone. We want to at least make everyone feel a connection to their favorite thing or era, if that makes sense. I get that point, but what still screws with my mind is the whole, it looks like a ghost. And it's sort of <laughs> supposed to, I guess. It, it it just seems weird. It didn't sound like him either. No, but I mean, it just seems a, weird. A different voiceover like, artist. Like coming up next, the seance where we try to bring back George Hallis and see if uh, George Hallis can talk. It just seems weird to me. Also, didn't the Packers, weren't the Packers and the Bears among the last teams to allow black players? And yet Vince Lombardi, automated Vince Lombardi's yeah, message was about unity. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know that I for a fact. Were. I don't know that. But my Seems point, like there might have been a different message my carrier point, there. My point is, I get, I get, I get paying respects to his name and stuff. But this whole like, um, and you know, before we start game one of tonight's World Series, here's an appearance by a dead Walter Alston. Actually, baseball is very likely to do that. Yeah. Baseball loves throwing it back to the play ball. <laughs> I'm dead. Here's a guy named Lefty to throw out the first pitch just, that you've probably never heard maybe of, like George Wilt, like. <laughs> Doing something with baseball, like narrating some type of thing of letting the kids play, like it wouldn't make oh, any. George Will, yeah, the the old the columnist for who, yeah, yeah. the Washington Post, the yeah. Washington Post, yeah, it'd be like him like narrating something with like letting the kids play, because like it would never, it wouldn't make any damn sense. <laughs> Unless, anyway, that's yeah, my yeah, question. Trying to bridge the gap, I think I just think they're trying to represent as many people as possible. For sure, you're probably right. Just stop with dead people, okay? <laughs> It's a little bit creepy. Bring back. It wasn't quite as creepy as all of like the white masked dancers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I think was that? Was that was a little bit creepy. What was that? It looked like fifty different Michael Myers or something. Yeah, but it was like really, really weird. Well, they all had to wear masks, and so they were probably trying to come up with some creative way it to looked, incorporate it into the costumes. Yeah, but it, it freaked me out. Yeah. So, oh, anyways, well, plenty more where this came from on Purple Daily today as well. And the thing, there's going to be, there's a Teddy Bridgewater report out there that we haven't even gotten to. We might not get to till tomorrow mm-hmm. on either Mackie and Judd or, or oh, Purple Daily. God. So be sure to uh, to check out both shows, subscribe, rate, review, and hit us up on YouTube. Thanks for hanging out with us here on this Statements Monday. I'm Mackie and Judd. Seven-year show anniversary. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.